0: Here's how I would approach it. I would learn how to do text-based ads yourself, set up AdWords account, learn to do text-based ads and, and understand the system. And then depending on your traction and success and whether you want to scale up or not, there's a point at which you might want to hire uh, a team.
1: Hey folks, this is Michael Veazey from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. Smart e-commerce operators know that net profit is the lifeblood of a business. but a small and profitable business than a large one which earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook by Jason Miles gives you 17 specific proven profit-taking actions. For a limited time, we are sharing this valuable resource with our listeners completely free. Download your 60-page workbook and start making your business more profitable today. Just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash Profit Habits. That's leader.com forward slash Profit Habits. Welcome back to The E-Commerce Leader. Today, we are continuing our discussion about paid search as a very important marketing channel or marketing strategy for e-commerce. Today, we're deep diving a bit more into Google AdWords, having compared them a bit more to Amazon advertising. whilst comparing that a little bit more, we're going to dive more into the specifics today of Google AdWords. And Things like uh, the types of things you can do from text ads all the way through to advertising through video, the types of things that are coming up through the Google Merchant uh, Center, which is really exciting stuff, the latest uh, developments with Google's shopping ads and, and even Google Shopping Actions, very interesting stuff. And then some practical ideas about how to manage the process and when to bring in an agency and when to do it yourself and uh, the sort of money you should be expecting to spend on advertising as well. So very practical stuff. Stick around. Do listen as ever. If you like what we're doing, please do remember to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. I guess what we're saying is that that like everything else, but particularly perhaps with paid search, because it costs you money and could potentially drive you broke or drive you out of stock. And then that's also a different problem. As you've articulated, it's a very, very yeah. common problem on Amazon. That As one of the members of my you know, groups put it, the stock just evaporates when it hits Amazon. I mean, if you get really good at selling, the problem is just getting enough cash to maintain you know, container loads of stock. I mean, some of these guys are shipping in two, three containers a week. and I mean, it's crazy how quickly you can sell when it really takes off. But to your point, I think what we're saying is, and this is an extremely valid point, actually, and if you take nothing else, I think that you've got something that you have to understand the nature and the dynamics of the, the marketplaces you're selling and before you even know where paid search, ad search fits in. I guess having said that, let's circle back to Google Ads. So I don't have as much knowledge of this AMS is this is kind of almost in my bloodstream at this point. Tell me
0: about Google Ads. How have you used it personally in your various e-commerce businesses? Uh, the AdWords platform is a, f- a fantastic tool to use. It's got you know a whole set of products. They've expanded their products just recently that are available to you as an advertiser. The classic, the original, you know, was text-based ads on Google and so, you know, I think that's probably worth camping on a little bit. So we'll talk about that. But, you know, the other options that are available to you include Google retail ads, which is spinning out to become its own ecosystem. And it, it, it really in an incredible way, Google is making strides in the Google retail ads universe to help all, you know, online sellers. And there are, of course, local ad inventory components. So you can do, you know, if you're a local merchant, and you want local, you know, sales, there's product for that. There's video based ads that touch YouTube, which is a massive, you know, topic in its own right. There are display ads, which, you know, in my universe here, by my little made up kingdom of the nine mountains, paid search to me includes the text-based ads and Google retail. Paid search does not include display ads because in my view, display ads are a really a whole different style of marketing. They, they're image ads that are placed across the Google ad uh, network. And they're really tapping into a different strategy. So I, I guess if for the purpose of this conversation, we hone in on anything, I would suggest it's the text-based ads. And mm-hmm. maybe Google retail as well, which are fantastic product options for for us as uh, people who are looking for advertising products to use. The text-based ads is the original and simplest i think to understand it's simply a little yellow pages style you know or newspaper style ad that google allows you to set up and slap right at the top if you're the number one bidder right at the top of the search engine results pages for a keyword that you're focused on and uh, and i think just that by itself is the massive value proposition that i I love explaining to people we mean, you know, if you grind it out and you, you're working hard on Shopify, for example, and you see in, uh, the search engine results pages, you're on page four or five or six with your product, uh, it can be discouraging. And the first question is, how do I get to page one? And then after you're on page one, the first question is, how do I get to top of page one? And, and the text ads, you know, allow that to occur. And it's a, auction-based system where you're bidding against other advertisers for key phrases, keywords, and your ads will show up. I actually have a a grant from the Google foundation for $40,000 a month of text-based ads for our charity. And so I've used that system for a long time and spent a ton of money. I think it's fair to say I've spent more money on Google ads than most people because of that ad grant, and and so so that's kind of the context I bring to the party, and also we use it for Pixie Fair and have for a decade now.
1: So let me just talk about the sort of strategy behind that. So we talked about okay, first of all, it gets you visibility, which you may simply not be getting organically. But let me talk about the relationship between those two because one of the very well, one of the intrinsic reasons and the only way to make it work on Amazon, the reasons to use paid ads, is to kick off organic ranking for the right keywords. Because to try, and because of the economics of Amazon, to try and actually just make a living by advertising as your main traffic source would absolutely kill the economics of pretty much every product, unless it was extraordinarily expensive, your ads were very cheap, and it had an incredible conversion rate, incredible mean, like 60%. So let's assume that's not viable. Is that actually the case on Google? If if you rank well and get good clicks and whatever they measure, the, the paid ads, does that affect your organic ranking?
0: Well, it's interesting. Compare and contrast to Amazon. First of all, let me take that piece and then I'll answer the specific question. Uh, I think it is interesting to just think about how on, on Amazon, you're, you're definitely doing that and on the Google platform, there is, there's no, there's not an equivalent scenario. It's a, just a different animal. And, and so, you know, I guess, let me just explain it this way, according to Google as I understand it, they say there's a firewall between their advertising department and their organic search results. And, but people who study these things, including Kyle, my business partner for our coaching business, he's sure that spending money on Google ads influences your organic search results. And so I think technically the answer is supposed to be no, there is no, uh, conflation of the two. In Google, it's almost like on the one hand, they're like a librarian, you know, just dispassionately applying their algorithm to the documents that reside on the internet and serving them up as their search engine re- results page. And on the other hand, they're your helper in, you know, advertising. And I think they, in their view, they're supposed to keep those two things apart. On Amazon, it's just, it's just all mixed together. And I will say this. And then I love your input on it. Amazon makes it very clear which, what your A cost is, your average cost of sales when you set up ads. And, and in, and that I think is real genius level work on Amazon side. The AMS ad, because they control the cart, they know exactly what the ad did. You know the attribution there is completely crystal clear, and the ACOs numbers you can look to see. Okay, my ACOs is forty two percent in it. Am I making money or not? On the Google side, it's just not that clear. It, it, you know they they don't control the cart, and there is not that level of clarity on the Google side. So even the tracking of the basics of the numbers is harder on the Google side. I'd say. Interesting. Well, I, I want to touch on that with the Google shopping thing in a second.
1: But the first thing I want to just reference is uh, Perry Marshall. Now, he's been in the game of, of teaching people about Google AdWords since pretty much it came out in what, 2002 roughly? And and the amazing thing is that lots of people did that and then disappeared, but he's still around and I think more powerful uh, thinker than ever. Just to, to put in context how much I respect him, I, I probably get... Perry Marshall, obviously, has been a student of the game at the most intense level. He's got a background in acoustic engineering, which means he's got a very kind of meticulous mathematical brain. He's a total geek. He's my kind of guy. I love that stuff. And what he says about this, a couple of things, first of all, and then another stat from somewhere else. He said that recently when Google changed like the first, typically the first two results of a page of search results would be ads, they are now three. And he said, that looks like a small change. But he said, if you run the economics, and I'm not going to get into it here, and I don't understand all of it, that changes the game from an 80-20 game to a 95-5 game. Meaning, it used to be that you know the majority of people lost at the, the game of ads, and and a, a few people, 20%, were, were okay, and then there was a small percentage that were winners. His contention is that has really totally changed the game, even though it looks like a small tweak, and that you basically need to be part of the 5% that's doing okay or winning, or the rest are lost. So that's his contention. It's a very big area, so go look him up, Perry Marshall. The second thing is more trackable and more straightforward, which is that although organic results may be the majority of results for most types of keywords, for those that are bottom of the funnel, i.e., with a high buying intent, then apparently advertising is beat beats out the organic results two to one. And it, you don't need to go very further than put in something into your computer. Like at this time of year, you might be looking for holidays or something or vacations. If you put something very obviously commercial in, you get a massive string of advertising results. So I, that's another thing that pushes me to say, you, you have to consider this, even if you're in the Shopify world where you can move more slowly, I would say you probably need to learn this skill earlier than you used to have to, and particularly if you're actually wanting to make sales from, you know, earlier in this process. So what are your thoughts about this sort of stuff?
0: Well, I love Perry Markle's eighty twenty book as well, and he's got great prior books as well, great. Of course, thinker and an online teacher for sure. I Yeah, I totally agree. Learning paid search definitely unlocks a huge level of trade skill understandings and business principles. One of the things that we should touch on is at what point do you do it yourself versus hire somebody? And in my view, just as we talk about Google AdWords platform, here's how I would approach it. I would learn how to do text-based ads yourself set up AdWords account, learn to do text-based ads and and understand the system. And then depending on your traction and success and whether you want to scale up or not, there's a point at which you might want to hire uh, a team, you know, an, an ad group that would do your your results, your, your advertising. But I would definitely learn it at first yourself, if for no other reason, just so that you're competent to manage and monitor what a paid, you know, staffer or, you know, consultant is doing for you and you're not completely in the dark in terms of what they're doing. So I think that's, that's probably the place I would, you know, kind of layer in staffing for this stuff. But yeah, I totally agree with your perspective on that results of, you know, their changes to the system. And I will just say, sorry, is another set side note again, awaits from details of paid search. Google as a whole is migrating more and more to being less of the librarian serving a you know worldwide good of the search results for everything on the internet and moving more and more towards of course revenue-based you know focus that's obvious i mean they've obviously for a reason become one of the you know most companies on the planet and it's because they've shifted more and more to, um, revenue generation. And, and to Perry's point, those are the ways in which they're doing it. The other way in which they're doing it is just simply not serving organic search results that link to other websites. And Rand Fishkin, the founder of SEO Moms is now, he's kind of gone his own way and is doing a whole new thing called Spark is documenting this very clearly how across the Google platforms, more and more of their results are referring to their own pages and to their own content so you end up with this universe where they're either referring to their own pages or they're referring to paid results and so the subordination of organic search results is just increasing i think is the point and i and i think Perry would probably chime in on that now google has said specifically and they've documented that's you know it's not true that more results are going to internal pages but I think most outside observers would say it is true.
1: Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific, and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionise your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash Profit Habits. Yeah, I I think you're right. Anecdotally, I've personally found that, for example, if I put an internet speed test, I was trying to tell somebody the other day, oh, well, you just go to this site and I realized I didn't know which site I went to because I just put an internet speed test. It automatically populated within my Google results on this click search. And I was within the Google universe the whole time. And I realized there was actually a name for a company, but I didn't find it out for a month. And yeah, you're right that they're really doing that. And of course, Google shopping is the absolute essence of that. And I really want to dig into that in a second. Let, let me just say quickly up to your very important point, the management piece though, that we're starting to touch on. I think your, I would say, I, I don't have much experience at Google ads, but with Amazon marketing services and Amazon ads, I would do the same kind of thing. Learn to do the basic text-based ads yourself or the rather the most simple type, which is the sponsored ad. which are, there's now a plethora of different options. But I think that you're going to produce, if you're going to 80-20 it, then you, you, you can do very well just based on those things. And I would say, listen, I don't know how, how good you're you're finding the people that manage Amazon ads, but there's a lot of people that make a lot of claims with Amazon ads you can get some decent people managing it. There's a lot of people that won't, will do a mediocre job. And frankly, most people I know bring it back in house after a bit of an experimentation and not many people manage to outsource to really good agencies with the odd exception. I I might mention, for example, Elise of uh, thisisunicorn.com who who was a former Mastermind member and and still, I think, a very trusted person who has done a very nice job for people as a boutique agency and they're not trying to mass produce results. And I've met their staff and You know, there are some, and she's just a mega bright person. You know, Sometimes you meet people and they're so sharp that, you know, there are agencies out there that buck that trend, but I think you have to be very selective. And to your point, I couldn't agree more. If you understand the system yourself, even if you're not amazing, it enables you to select and and manage other people. And most importantly, assess, are they not that good? And often, sadly, this is
0: true, right? And I think the other strategic point about staffing is if you're going to hire somebody to help you. Have them do something then that pushes you into a new feature or functionality set within the ad platform. So, you know, for, or simple, you know, commentary, like on the Google AdWords platform, if you can do text-based ads yourself, but then you say to yourself, Hey, I want to understand Google retail and all of the, you know, opportunities with the Google merchant, you know, center then, and you don't, just don't understand it then, you know, it might be the opportunity to bring somebody in. And importantly, to your point, they might not get above average results. In fact, statistically, they will be average. But if they teach you the new stuff along the way, then you've transferred knowledge as also an additional benefit of the ad work. And I think that's how you should approach using contractors to help you with advertising. is Have them show you what they're doing and how they do it. Because after three months or so, you might, or six months, you might say to yourself, not so sure that they're really, you know, above average in any way. And they probably aren't. I love that reality,
1: check. is Statistically, everyone is going to be average. Um, beautifully put. And as you were saying, as we talked ages ago about hiring your own staff, that you don't want to delude yourself uh, about that. But yeah, what you just said, it makes a lot of sense. And in essence, what you're applying is the, the, the Google strategy, which is, you know, get somebody else to do the work for you for a while and then steal what they're doing and present it as your own stuff <laughs> or
0: oh, something <laughs> along
1: those lines. I, I didn't say that. Don't, don't sue me. So let's talking
0: of which... <laughs> well, that's but, the essence of having employees. <laughs> stealing. It's how they work for you.
1: <laughs> okay. If you're employing an agency and you get them and they show you what they do and you then do it. Okay. Well, yeah, they're, they're an agency, not an employee. But anyway, anyway, in, in practice, some version of that that is legal and ethical as as we wish. But... Let's talk about Google shopping actions because talking of Google sort of taking over more and, and you know, going down the value chain, if you like, not just up of the funnel for years and years, famously so dominant in that. What's your view of this whole thing, Google shopping actions? First of all, what is it?
0: Let me outline what I understand of this new universe that's been unlocked and just admit upfront, not my area of expertise, but I'm learning along with other people. Kyle, my business partner in a coaching business, has geeked out over this and does spend a lot more time and energy on on Google retail ads. And so I'll represent the topic here. And then I will also mention in the show notes, we can add a link to one of uh, our deep dives him and I had that might already be on the e-commerce leader uh, as a a short episode. And if it's not, then it would be on the Winning on Shopify uh, Friday Vlogs. But that conversation, he really explained to me this new system. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And it's just this is new stuff, beta testing stuff that Google's rolling out in the United States that won't be worldwide, but will eventually, I'm sure. And so let me just characterize it this way. Google retail ads are, many of us who have searched for a product will have seen them. They're the display of a, a product with various websites underneath the image. So if you search for shoes, you'll see maybe an ad, with a product that will point you towards Nordstrom.com or, you know, wherever. And so that was Google retail and you pay to play, you know, you can set it up so that you're in there. And many of our customers who are coaching clients who come to us, who have their own Shopify have never set up a Google retail ad. And it is one of the ads that we say, Hey, I mean, like for goodness sakes, you, you know, your customers or at least your prospects are searching for whatever type of product is you have on Google, get yourself right up there at the top. And you, when you look for widely across product categories, you'll frequently see the massive retailers, Home Depot, Nordstrom. I mean, you know, you could name them and it was UK versus us based retailers, but you'll see the biggest, but you can be right in there. And so that's Google retail. Now that's it. That was the universe we thought we were playing in and we were playing in. And then, Google just has kept continuously expanded this concept for, you know, retailers, and they adapted things for local retailers versus just you know internet wide retailers. And so the Google Merchant Center is the thing to go and check out if you really want to understand the ad products that they are offering us as, as sellers, and uh, how we can tap into them. One of the things that Google Shopping Actions is what what has occurred is Google has. Created something called surfaces across Google, which is basically a free unpaid product listing. And that was people were like, whoa, what is happening? You know, what is this free unpaid product listing? And then this idea of Google shopping actions is this is where it gets, it's mind blowing paradigm change. Google is basically setting up a universal shopping cart that you can place your product into. And the outcome of which is customers who search on Google or in the Google, you know, universe of of search can purchase your product through the shopping cart that it is on Google. And that effectively turns Google into a straight competitor to Amazon or Walmart.com or Etsy. I mean, mean, it it turns them into an e-commerce, you know, operator. They they will be directly competing with Shopify and, you know, all the other e-commerce channels. And this is a paradigm shift (laughs) of cosmic internet clash of the titans proportion. I mean, this is going to make Google heads up competitor to the e-commerce giants if this really catches fire. And so that's the paradigm shift. It's Google Shopping Actions. There's detail there. Basically... It, it turns them into what you might effectively call a commission based seller of your product through their shopping cart. So they'll get a cut and it's like five to 12% commission. And that is just like mind blown in terms of what could occur on the internet now. So that's the gist of Google shopping actions. Wow.
1: So I guess you took the words out of my mouth. Is this a really a game changer? Well, I could ask, I mean, he- it, in theory, it, a lot of things that have happened over the last few years have been game changers. And some of them have chosen, you know, turned out to be game changers. Um, is
0: this really game changing, do you think? Will this be? I don't know. You could see a world in which Google has said to itself, we're driving all the traffic. I mean, like 35% of all product e-commerce transactions or, originate on Google. So they know these things. And so you have to think, they've they got to be thinking to themselves, we're driving all the traffic to all of these websites that have all of this revenue flowing through it. How about if we just make this simpler and just install the shopping cart on the front end? And it expands this theme that is clear, which is they're keeping traffic on the Google system for having control of that. Component, I mean, you imagine this—you know, like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, this problem with Google's results for advertising not being real clear because they don't control the shopping cart. Well, now they would. Now they could have something for the advertisers that looks like a straight A cost number, average cost of sales, where you just say, "Oh, I I know exactly how much I spent and exactly how much I made." So, I think that's where Google is going. Now, to your point, will the industry accept it? Will you know, people like me who run a business on shop, a Shopify website say, well, yeah, I'm going to set up, uh, you know, Google Shopping Actions and I'm going to have Google basically be a new sales channel for me. Consider it like an omni-channel approach. I'll have uh, Etsy I sell on, I have Walmart.com I, have, I sell on, I'll have Amazon I sell on, I'll have Wayfair I sell on, now I got Google I sell on. I don't know. If that works, it would definitely be a huge paradigm change. I
1: mean, I guess the thing that makes me suspect that it, it could be is that Google's been around for one of the longest times as these, the e commerce giant, the internet giants, I should say. And also, they just seem to be smart. You know, they seem to have had a very smooth path of taking over the universe without annoying the um, anti monopoly legislation. I, I don't know how they've got 86% of search without that getting broken up. That's extraordinary. They must have some very good lobbyists or paying somebody or who knows without getting into actionable comments here. But yeah, so those sorts of things and the profitability of their business, as opposed to Amazon, for example, implies to me that they could actually take Amazon's baby,
0: (laughs) whatever the right phrase is, whether they will. Yeah, they could take a big chunk of it. If you think about the origination of searching for products, and if there was just a shopping cart right there, buy it now. And and honestly, you have to ask yourself, what's in the best interest of the consumer? Is it really in the best interest of the consumer for somebody to search on Google, then be punted into a whole different website that looks completely different, that may or may not even be set up well, that may or may not even have a shopping cart that works effectively? I mean, you know, Shopify, I'm a huge fan of because I lived in the world of other websites trying to do e-commerce. But there's a lot of other properties around the internet that are not Shopify. And, you know, if you're Google, you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, Shopify is fine. We don't mind referring people to Shopify websites. They're secure. Shopping cart's sorted out. It's all, you know, it's kind of a, a hosted system. There are a lot of sketchy places on the internet that I would imagine Google's thinking to themselves, we don't want to send our searchers to those websites. They're not trustworthy. So you can almost make a case for this and i if google does it well and they do make that case i might sign up man now i will tell you just as a point of, of specifics as a digital goods seller i cannot sign up but with physical products i could sign up google might roll this out so that digital sellers could set up but generally speaking the digital sellers get excluded from these kinds of things in the e-commerce world you know it's mostly for physical widget sellers
1: wow so Coming back then to, this has been an interestingly wide-ranging conversation. But I think, to be honest, though, what we've done is bat around where does paid advertising and particularly paid search advertising, I should say, and particularly Google, fit in to the wider scheme. So this isn't so much a how-to as how does it fit in. So let's zoom back out. So have we got a a bit more of a prescription of how people should approach this, the management piece, I guess, the the
0: simple basics, uh, including the monetary side, I suppose? Sure. I mean, I think the first question is, if you're going to spend money on advertising, then a good way to do it is on fulfilling customers' interest and searching for the product. And so Google AdWords is the place to do that. And if that's going to be your first foray into advertising, you know, the question would be, how much should you spend? How should you do it? And I would say a few basic principles. First principles, start small. In this context, it's all focused on keywords. So learning them is key. Decide how much of it you're going to do yourself, learn yourself and, and set up yourself versus paying somebody to do something for you and really begin to test your way into it. Test, test, test. And, and these are basic ideas. This is not rocket science. And I'll just tell you one of the basic tests that we ran at first and we learned quickly from was when we did this since this over a decade ago, we set up advertising through, you know, AdWords. We set up a text based ad and then we also set up a display ad, which I already mentioned is sort of in a different universe in my mind. And the display ad was getting clicked on like crazy. Like it was like so many clicks. Like, man, this is terrific. You know, like and we were like, woohoo. We found something that works for people to be interested and, but no conversions, no sales. But our text ad didn't have nearly the, the click-through results, but it was converting. I mean, people were buying. And we sell doll clothes patterns for, you know, American Girl dolls and Barbie dolls. You know, like it's, it's an aftermarket product. Well, what we realized was, we surmised at least, there was a whole internet full of nine-year-old to 12-year-old kids clicking around, clicking on our display images because they wanted to see what we had, but they weren't the customers, you know, they weren't buyers. And so we learn these things and these are the types of lessons or learnings that you'll want to begin to do in your own context for your own niche and your own keywords, just the basics. So I would say that's sort of a three or four places you could begin with.
1: Yeah. As you say, I, I like the idea of starting and, and learn, accepting that it's going to be big learning curve and testing as the, the acid test. And to your point that you made earlier, the Amazon platform is a pretty brutal place to learn your skills because you kind of have to launch hard or forget it in a lot of categories, even moderately competitive categories now. Whereas it seems to me from what you're saying that the Shopify experience allows you more leeway to learn your craft. So very interesting. Again, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes you go from tactics that imply strategy. And for me, what we're saying, it kind of implies that you know, there's a bit more of a reason why you might want to, if you actually have the, the patience, learn some skills on a Shopify sort of situation with gradually adding different marketing channels and, and over time traffic channels. And over time, then perhaps approach some more aggressive situations, which has certainly not been my experience. But as you say, there is that gladiatorial element. Talking of which, let's talk about keeping the finances from going crazy. We, we've touched on the fact that people often just spend like crazy on ads. Certainly true on, on Amazon's. So I have got some very clear thoughts about this, but give me your thoughts about prescription for how much you think clients should spend on advertising as a percentage of revenue or percentage of profits, however you manage that.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I think the first question is, do you know how much you're spending? So that implies you have like a a profit and loss statement is always one, the thing that we encourage our clients to set up and have a monthly look at the P and L and one of the advertising, one of the categories in your expense line would be your advertising and. So that we always get clarity with them on that first. And then the question is how much should be spent. And there's actually best practices by industry or at least norms by industry. And for some consumer packaged goods companies, they spend, it's remarkable, but they spend 20, 22% on advertising. Now, we don't suggest that. Usually what we'll say for our clients is you should think about spending in the range of 12 to 15% on advertising. And that's all advertising uh, against your top line revenue number. So if you make $100,000 in top line revenue, you're going to spend twelve dollars to $15,000 in a year's time on advertising. And if you're below that, we encourage people to start to think through how to ramp it up. And a lot of times people who have never advertised, and we get customers or clients like this, They've never advertised. They haven't done AMS. They haven't done any advertising and they're making a lot of sales. And in that situation, it can be very painful for us to suggest that they start spending 12 to 15% of of their top line revenue. Like, what in the world? You know how much money that is? But other people are very used to having to spend their way to, you know, generate revenue. And even sometimes of, to your point, they've spent so much, they've completely obliterated their uh, net income. And so, you know, it's a dance and there's no right answer for, you know, generally, it's just more of a look at the information and answering the question, are you profitable? And then if you're spending for advertising, can you spend that money profitably? Those are the basic questions. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it?
1: I, I think it's a very healthy reality check to, to start back with some business basic disciplines, having a monthly P&L festival, which an amazing number of people. Doing quite substantial numbers on Amazon often don't amazingly, and then having a line item for advertising. I would say, interestingly, that the numbers that I've, I would come up with and have seen as best practice across the groups are remarkably stable and quite similar to yours. For on Amazon advertising only, and for most Amazon sellers, they don't spend much on paid advertising outside Amazon, apart from maybe Facebook ads for launch. Even if you wrap that in, I would say 8 to t- to 15% is the range. I, I think if you're purely looking at Amazon, certainly if you're looking at the longer term, you want to try and get it towards the 10% range. If you goes up towards 14% over time uh, as a sort of week to week, month to month thing, then it can be hard to get profits. But I would say the one thing I would say is that the advertising to sales ratio is the critical ratio. A cost I think, is an absolute red herring. I think it's Amazon's way of giving you a feeling of control whilst absolutely giving you no control because advertising cost to sales divides the advertising divided by the sales driven by that keyword for that particular product but of course one of the main reasons we do advertising and paid advertising on amazon is to drive organic traffic and amazon is smart enough to make sure it doesn't show us the statistics for the organic ranking impressions clicks etc thus encouraging you to spend freely on the amazon ad platform which is the only profitable bit of the retail business in fact the amazon retail business i think last quarter lost mine it was minus one percent profit so even including amazon ads so without amazon ads it would be a very big loss maker they need your money just to keep afloat so of course they're encouraging you to spend so just be very aware of uh, i would say acos is a red herring the beautiful thing about advertising to sales ratio is that you can as you said include google ads amazon ads whatever else you spend on a particular product line to try and drive sales divided by the sales and it's a very robust big picture number that i doesn't isn't platform specific and i think it's a very healthy way to guide things. So yeah, I really, really like that. And I think the beautiful thing about that number is it doesn't seem to be that sort of platform specific in where it ends up, which is funny, isn't it? How, how things work that way.
0: No. And I've heard Kyle walk our coaching class through that same exact conversation that you just described, which is let's not look at ACOS, let's look at your total and, and do the math that way. Yeah. And I, so I think these are valid lessons and I would just encourage everybody this is one of those areas where you just want to test your way into it and really start to learn how to be a business operator at the highest level and not fool yourselves, not kid yourselves. You're both the CFO, if you're if you're solopreneur, you're both the CFO and the chief marketing officer. And those people usually, you know, I was in a big system where I was one of those dogs in the fight. Those people usually are in a contentious situation where the CFO is saying, this is a waste, you know, and the marketer is like saying, look at all the, you know, things that I can do, look at the top line. And so, you know, there's tension there and you have to hold that tension in harmony and think it through and really scale up carefully and systematically couple of final thoughts on that. I think that
1: tension between the you know chief financial officer and chief marketing officer or the financial director, FD, as you might call it in the British context, um, is a creative tension. And what I would say to square the circle if you're the CEO, which technically you may be all wearing all three hats in a small business, but is a different job is to lead the entire organization. The The way to square that circle, if you like, is to say there is an economics to well-done advertising. And you need to look at that. Again, I'd reference... Perry Marshall, and encourage anyone to read further about this in 8020 Sales and Marketing book, for example, which I have always to hand and reread and find so much wisdom. He talks about the economics tra- traffic conversion triangle. And really, on Am- Amazon, you see that very swiftly that the cash flow of it has to work. That if you spend money on, on advertising and it drives sales, then that drives cash back out of it, to a percentage of which you can put back into advertising. And done correctly, it should please both your CFO and your CMO done badly, it will drive you broke. And then that's quite right that your chief financial officer at that point will say no, and quite rightly so. So that's one thing that I would reference. The second thing, just to back off this whole confusing, big, you know, exciting, but potentially confusing area in terms of management is to really, really rigorously apply 80-20 and Mm -hmm. 80-20 of 80-20, which if you put it through the, you know, a few iterations becomes a very reassuringly simple, but true fact, which is 1% of your actions or keywords you're advertising on or products will lead to about roughly half of your results, which is to say, you know, cut it down to absolute basics. For example, if you're doing Amazon advertising, you will eventually discover there are about five keywords that are winnable and worth winning. And you've got to focus on those and keep yeah. an eye on those. And that will be half your
0: results. So you don't need to become a rocket scientist to get this to work. Just my final commentary. Uh, we could just, this obviously could go on for days on this topic, but let me just mention two, two ideas. One of the things that we've learned over time is the question of value basic proposition. We have at times just completely shut off our advertising on these platforms just to see what happens. There was a classic scene in the hunt for red October with Sean Connery where they do this maneuver called the crazy Ivan where the Russian submariners like will turn hard, hard, hard left or whatever just to see. And then they just wait to see if they're being followed. You know, I think just shutting off your ads outright and seeing what happens is an interesting crazy Ivan type move where you can basically say to yourself, "Am, am I really getting the value out of like whatever it is, AMS or Google AdWords or whatever that I think I am? And what happens if I shut it off? We've done that before and it's really an interesting test because it really, it forces you to pay attention to what you're doing because you know, it's so easy to just get in this habit of, Oh, yeah, my budget for AMS ads is $550 a month. When was the last time you looked at the results? Ooh, like six months ago. And, you know, and that's money. That's like, that's like bottom line. That, that goes straight to your net profit if you don't spend it. So I'm always a huge fan of, you know, doing a gut check on this stuff and really confirming that your advertising is making you real money. And if it's not shutting it off, you know.
1: Absolutely, and that's where I, I love that crazy Ivan thing. By the way, we have that's where having a very sort of I'm trying to keep it polite, very courageous CFO or ch- chief operating or, or chief executive officer or boss who is willing to bash their heads together and take what seem like crazy experiments can be really pay off. We have one such in the mastermind who, right in Q4, right in big sales season, took a very strong view and turned that advertising off completely across. It must have been, you know, $2 million worth of sales or or something. And then reviewed the results. (laughs) Happened exactly like you said. Some stuff just kept selling exactly the same, but was way more profitable. Some stuff kind of sank a bit and some just disappeared. And that really clarified for them in a very beautiful way, brutal way, the, the effectiveness or ineffectiveness of advertising skew by skew almost or product by product. So it was an incredibly worthwhile experiment. I really admired the fact they had the courage to do it in the middle of a really big sales
0: season, but they've upped their profit by doing it. So yeah, that's great. Well, that's the kind of thinking that you get over time. You just remember this is up about net profit. And, you know, with our coaching clients, it's one of the first things I ask them, how much do you actually make? And if they don't make real money from their business, and I'm sorry, I just say, if you're an Amazon private label seller and you're not making real money, you're just generating revenue. That is not a business that's at least not sustainable. Unless you have a plan for profitability, you're not a you know, Silicon Valley startup. You're you're a small business owner. And so these are the ways in which you find out whether you are wasting money or not. And I think that's an important part of understanding how to do paid ads, paid search ads, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Listen, love this topic. I like the fact that I think sometimes we go off on one and go down a rabbit hole. I think this time I've got to say that (laughs) Although we've talked quite wide rangingly, I think because you're paying real money, I love the fact that we brought in sort of whole channel strategy and uh, profit strategy, because in the end, everything's going to be subordinate to that. I just want to make a final boring old plea, but this is to say, if you find this particular take on e-commerce, as opposed to the latest hacks for Google or, you know, the latest very technical training on Google AdWords, for example, if you find this more strategic level stuff, valuable. We'd love to know about it. We do have now some resources that are divided by topic at theecommerceleader.com. We've actually divided the topics up by things like marketing strategy, sales channel strategy, profit strategy, and so forth. So it should be ever more valuable resource. Do go and check that out. And of course, let us know your thoughts. Happy to get emails from you. And of course, love reviews as ever. So do consider
0: letting us know that we are helping you. That was a nice thing. And let me just say as a final commentary, we're not going to leave you hanging here on the AMS details. I think we've still got another episode here. We might in the future dive into AMS land more deeply. So we've sprinkled that in quite a bit, but uh, let's think about maybe doing another episode for that one, like we mentioned at the beginning of this one, and we'll go from there. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England.
1: Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns you no know, money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific, and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionise your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash Profit Habits. Hey folks, this is Michael Veazey from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The Ecommerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show.